Hello and welcome to the Down to the Wire podcast presented by the T-Shop Podcast Network. My name is Varun Shankar. Joining me now is host and producer of the Redskins Capital Connection podcast, Chad Ryan. Chad, how are you? Okay, Varun, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. First question, uh, you're from Australia and I want to know, how did you become a Redskins fan? <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty common question. So, uh, yeah, look, uh, just a, a big sports fan in general, as you know, I'm sure everyone um, listening to this podcast would be. Um, for me, throughout my Australian winter, which is your American summer, um, I follow the Australian rules football, but that ends in September, exactly when the NFL starts. So about 10, more than 10 years ago now, um, I, you know, I found the NFL in general, uh, you know, TV here in Australia started showing it more and I started taking more interest and paying more attention to it. Um, I fell in love with the sport. I'd been to DC. I loved the town. So I picked the Redskins and, um, that's how I became a fan of the Redskins in terms of how I started covering the Redskins and uh, being a fully credentialed member of the media covering the Redskins. Um, as you can probably imagine, it's hard to feel connected to a team you support when they're 10,000 miles away. Right. So uh, back in 2014, um, I started a podcast. No expectations or no, um, no real experience either. Just sort of did it on a lark. Um, it got really popular. Um, it opened some doors for me. And then now that's uh, that's – gotten me to where I am today. That's a great story. So let's talk about the Redskins. Last night we saw Alex Smith uh, play his first snaps as a Redskins player, and I gotta say, for the first time, he looked pretty good. In his one drive against the Jets, he went four for six for 48 yards. Uh, He showed a lot of ability out of the pocket. What did you see from Smith? Look, I saw from Alex Smith exactly what we'd seen at training camp over the past, the better past of a month. I mean, anyone who hasn't been to training camp last night was the first time they saw Alex Smith um, in a Redskins uniform throwing the ball, but uh, out at training camp, especially in those joint practices against the Jets, um, what we've seen from Alex Smith is a good mix of um, accurate passing, quick release of the ball, good decision-making, but also, and I think this is going to be the thing that surprises um, people throughout the year, Alex Smith is not scared to run the ball. Like there are, And I'm not just talking about scrambles when the pocket collapses or anything like that. He has some wheels um, we've seen at training camp. Um, plays designed, you know, you know, run pass option plays, the RPO kind of stuff where Alex Smith will keep the ball and run with it. Um, that is going to be a part of this offensive playbook this year, and Alex Smith is more than capable of running that as well. Um, the other thing we saw from Alex Smith is, you know, we, we know who Alex Smith is. He's a veteran in this league, and he has um, pretty good ball security, but not the best ball security. But what we're seeing is that doesn't translate to a reluctance to take risks. With Kirk Cousins over the past few years, um, we've seen through, you know, from his game and on his film, um, he really only likes to throw to receivers when they're wide open. If it's sort of a jump ball situation or it's a tight window, Kirk Cousins can be a bit reticent to pull that trigger. That's not a problem with Alex Smith. He will take those chances. He will throw the ball deep and give his receivers a chance to make a play on the ball as well. So that's going to be really important because this receiving core, I mean, they look to be pretty talented. you got Paul Richardson, who looks to be the best deep that we've had here in Washington since Deshaun Jackson left about a year and a half ago, it seems like. Yeah, he, he, I mean, we didn't have him last year. Last right. year was, he was in Tampa, yep. Right, So, uh, and then with Josh Doxson, you talked about those 50-50 balls, and Doxson seems perfectly equipped for that type of situation, doesn't he? Yeah, look, I mean, there is a very clear starting three when you talk about the wide receiving core of Josh Doxson, Paul Richardson, and Jamison Crowder. And all three of them have very different skill sets. I mean, all three of them can play the X or the Z or the slot receiver. 
Um, but all three of them bring something unique to the table. I mean, Josh Doxson has that go-up-and-get-it ability. He has good, like, I think people sort of sleep on Josh Doxson's feet and his route running a little bit. He he can make quick cuts. Um, Josh Doxson is that end zone threat. He is that jump ball threat. But he, he has some speed. He has some ability to cross the middle and things like that as well. So you talked Paul about... Ri- oh, sorry. Continue. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, I was going to say, Paul Richardson, um, exactly as you described, he has just pure speed. He isn't just a straight-line runner, though. He, he will cross the middle. He will. You'll see him use on um, you know drag routes where he takes three steps and then cuts immediately across the middle of the field on a short route where Alex Smith will connect him in space and try to get some of those yards after catch. And Jameson Crowder is as good of a slot receiver as you'll find in the NFL. I mean, he is someone who can cross the middle, who can do those in routes, those corner routes, those post and nine routes. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the, those three guys complement each other really well. The problem is... After those, like behind those three guys, then there's a lot of there's a lot more questions than answers in terms of the depth at wide receiver. Right, and you talked about that depth, and we saw some uh, flashes from Cam Sims yesterday. What did you see from uh, Sims, and is that what you've been seeing throughout camp? Yeah, look, I mean, to be honest, Cam Sims was probably not going to make this roster until Robert Davis got injured. Um, it's not anything against Cam Sims. It's just Robert Davis was more familiar with the playbook. He was getting more of the second and third team reps than Cam Sims was. And more importantly, Robert Davis was getting more work on special teams than Cam Sims was. When Robert Davis went down, Cam Sims started getting some work as a gunner on special teams units at training camp. Um, and that means that, you know, that's a good sign for where the team thinks he's going to be in terms of making the roster. Now, if he does make the roster, it'll be interesting to see if he's actually active on game day. I mean, it's one thing to make the 53-man roster. It's another thing to make the 46-man the active on game day roster. Um, Cam, pardon me, Cam Sims, we, we know who he is. He's a giant who runs very fast, but he's raw. He didn't get a lot of opportunities at Alabama um, because they didn't have a great quarterback and they didn't have a strong passing game. And we know Alabama football is built on smash-mouth football and defense. Um, and that's why Josh Norman referred to the Redskins' defensive line and said, roll tide. You've got Jonathan Allen, you've got Deron Payne, you've got Ryan Anderson up in the front seven. Cam Sims, though, I mean, you saw on that play last night that was called back for a penalty. But, he, I mean, he, like Josh Doxson, he can go up and get it and he can make those real tough catches. So... The way Jay Gruden likes to construct his roster is he has his starters, and then he likes to have backups who have a similar skill set to those different starters. So, for example, at running back, he singles out Capri Bibbs Byron Marshall as being a Chris Thompson backup. I think Cam Sims can be that Josh Doxson backup more than someone like Maurice Harris. Maurice Harris is very good. He was inactive last night, so we didn't see him last night. Maurice Harris can play, but he's not a Josh Doxson backup. He's kind of... He's, he's not really similar to any of those three starting wide receivers. He does a little bit of everything. Um, he's a jack of all trades and a master of none, whereas Cam Sims is quite similar to Josh Doxson, just a lot more raw. Uh, you talked about the wide receiver depth, and we saw that Trey Quinn yesterday made a few <laughs> nice plays, but he also struggled a little bit, especially when on the third and goal play on the first Redskins drive where he didn't drive enough on his route. Do you think that he'll make the roster? Yeah, Trey Quinn will make the roster and he'll get some opportunity. He, you know, if Cam Sims is going to be that Josh Dawson backup, Trey Quinn will be the Jamison Crowder backup. He is going to play in the NFL as a slot receiver crossing the middle. Um, you know, for us, for us, it's the Jamison Crowder, but, you know, it's easy to make the comparisons because they're both white dudes, you know, that sort of Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, um, Julian Edelman kind of receiver. Um, Trey Quinn can play. The kid is tough. He is quite slight. Like, he needs a year in the NFL system to just put on some mats. 
without losing some speed. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll just take time. So Traquin will be a process. He'll see some play this year. I mean, I think this year he's going to get the same sort of snaps that we saw um, Ryan Grant get in years past. He's a backup, but he'll get opportunity. All right. Uh, you were talking about that Alabama D-line last uh, a few minutes ago, and there seems to be some real excitement. And John Allen said uh, in an interview that he wanted this defense to play like badasses. And through two preseason games, and from what I've heard happened down at Richmond, he's backing that up. What do you think about this yeah. D-line? Yeah, so, I mean, I've said this on my podcast as well. I mean, it's easy to get focused on Jonathan Allen and Jerron Payne together because they're both first-round picks. They're both studs. They are blue-chip players, to use a an old Scott McLuhan term. So, I mean, we shouldn't ignore them by any stretch of the imagination. But the thing is, they're not the only good players we have on that defensive right. line. Matt Ioannidis, again, who didn't really play last night, um, he is very, very underrated in the NFL. He came on in leaps and bounds last year, then got hurt with his hand. Um, came back and played with the club and wasn't really as effective, but still still contributed. But throughout camp, probably more than Jonathan Allen and Jerron Payne, Matt Ioannidis has been that guy on the defensive line who has been the most impressive. He has flashed a great combination of strength and speed. Um, you know, from that interior of the defensive line, there were multiple occasions each day where he was getting into the backfield, forcing Alex Smith to leave the pocket or throw the ball before he would have liked to. Um, and against the Jets, I mean, he was looking quite good against Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater and uh, Josh McCown in those joint practices. Um, and then the other guy that, you know, Redskins fans absolutely should not be sleeping on is Tim Settle. Now, Tim Settle is stuck behind Matt Ioannidis, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne on the depth chart. But Tim Settle, from what we've seen so far, is good enough to start in the NFL. And yet here on the Redskins, he's like, at best, the fourth string guy. Um, or fourth on the depth chart, sorry, not fourth string. Um, that's a good problem for the Redskins to have. Um, and he's going to need a way to get snaps because, I mean, he's too good not to get snaps. So I think on this defensive line throughout the year, we're going to see quite a lot of rotation. You know, it might be like we have first down sets or passing down sets or um, obvious short yardage sets um, and different guys going to rotate in. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Jim Tom Sula structures that. He's got a plethora of options and there's guys there I didn't even mention, like Anthony, Anthony Lanier, who, again, very good players. So this defensive line is genuinely improved and has the potential to be genuinely good for the Redskins. Obviously, we need to see it translate and we need everyone to stay healthy. Right, and we know that Tom Sula is going to coach these guys up really well. Sticking with the front seven, it's a contract year for Preston Smith, and he's shown flashes of being a great player, but he hasn't been able to put it all together for that double-digit sack season. Do you think that he'll get it this year in that contract year? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know if we'll ever really see Preston Smith be a double-digit sack player because he, he's asked to do so much, um, and he's always you know going against the left tackle. It's, it's, it's easier for someone like Ryan Kerrigan to get double-digit sacks more often than not going against the right tackle in the NFL than it is for Preston Smith to go against the left tackle. Um, you need to be a truly, truly elite outside linebacker or defensive end, depending on whether or not you're in a 3-4 or a 4-3, to get double-digit sacks from that side of the line. Now... On that, though, what I'll say is, again, this is something that Greg Minuski, Jim Tomsula, um, and Kirk Olivadotti, um, you know, as that triumvirate of linebackers and front seven coaches and defensive coordinator, we've seen in training camp Preston Smith, Ryan Kerrigan, um, more, more so in, than in previous years, sort of overloading one side. So sometimes we'll see Preston Smith and Ryan Kerrigan both loading up from the left side of the line and going for like an overload blitz. Um, same thing on the right side of the line. So... 
I mean, in terms of Preston Smith, I don't know if he'll ever be a, you know, a 12-sack guy. Maybe he will be, and that's fine. And, you know, obviously Redskins fans would be excited. But I, I, I don't think that's the goalposts for Preston Smith. I think the goalposts for Preston Smith are contain the edge, disrupt the quarterback as much as possible without necessarily sacking him, um, and just really make sure that the left tackle is working all day. I mean, coaches like Preston Smith. They, you know, I think Redskins fans are a little bit more disappointed in Preston Smith than the coaches are. The coaches are higher on Preston Smith than Redskins fans probably um, realize. I mean, he does his job. Um, and he also drops back in coverage more than Ryan Kerrigan does as well. So, I mean, that's that's sort of what we have with Preston Smith. I think he will be in for a good year, being that it's a contract year. And I just think in terms of where he's at in his development as well, it will also translate to a good year on the field for him. All right, you talked about coverage there, so let's talk about these cornerbacks. We know what Josh Norman's going to bring. He's going to bring almost a lockdown presence on that side of the field, but there's some other questions here, and they're going to bring with a, they're going to be running with a lot of young players, especially after they let go of Orlando Scandrick. What do you think of Quinton Dunbar? I mean, Quinton Dunbar is one of the best stories in the NFL. Comes in as an undrafted free agent wide receiver. Um, the team asks him to, you know, do one day of training camp a couple of years ago at cornerback just because they'd lost a few guys to injuries on the same day. He does. He translates to that position. He, he you know, f- um, formally changes position, um, starting in the NFL now as a cornerback and receives the blessing from D'Angelo Hall to wear number 23 now that D'Angelo Hall is retired. That's, that's a crazy story that I think people forget that, you know, given where this dude started from, that's incredible. Like, it is incredibly hard to be a starting cornerback in the NFL, period, to be a starting cornerback in the NFL when you come from an undrafted free agent wide receiver only a few years ago is in just insane. But Quinton Dunbar can play. He's he's not an elite cornerback. He's not a terrible cornerback. He is a guy who will compete. He uses his good length. He uses his good size and speed. Um, and the more he plays, the better he'll get. Um, you know, I... I think that cornerback behind Josh Norman is probably the thinnest position group the Redskins have, um, especially with uh, Josh Holsey starting the season on the physically unable to perform list, the pup list. Um, Fabian Moreau, I mean, I know Redskins fans are excited that Fabian Moreau will probably start now that the team released Orlando Skandrick, but I have some concerns, not based on Fabian Moreau as a starter, but just, you know, throughout camp, Orlando Skandrick was starting in the slot. And Fabian Moreau wasn't playing to a level where he was like, no, I'm starting in this lot. Like, he didn't win that job. Um, he, he got the job by default because the coaches and the players weren't really gelling with Orlando Skandrick, and all of a sudden, he's gone. But Orlando Skandrick was playing at a level better than Fabian Moreau. So that's, I wouldn't say it's an area of concern, but it's an area to watch going into this year. And then you, you talk about guys behind him, like, you know, some of the young guys, like Danny Johnson, um, who have made good plays. I like Danny Johnson a lot. He's really good. He's shown some real flashes. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he's okay. He's, he, he's, he's very, very raw, though. I mean, Danny Johnson is a guy that, based on what I've seen, I wouldn't want to be relying on in real NFL um, games too much. If Danny Johnson is making plays, that's great. But if he's playing 30, 40, 50 snaps a game in coverage, it, it, I mean, hopefully it works out okay, but it could be a problem. All right, uh, last group we'll talk about here, the safeties. We know the starters, DJ Swearinger and Monte Nicholson. I've heard that uh, some reports from camp that Nicholson's been doing a lot more in coverage this year, and he struggled a little bit. What do you think about that? I mean, Nicholson is a dude who is solid, um, has a lot of upside. This is, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if he, assuming he stays healthy, how he looks in his second full year starting at that position. Um, 
he works well with DJ Swearinger, and that's important. He is going to be like dropping back in coverage a lot, um, controlling, you know, playing as that single high safety a lot, um, controlling the flats and stuff a lot. I don't know. I mean, with Monte Nicholson, it's going to be a wait and see thing. I, I know Redskins fans or some Redskins fans are very, very high on him. I mean, throughout the pre, the lead up to the draft this year, there are a lot of people like me who are saying Derwin James could be a really, really good safety for this team. And some Redskins fans are like, no, we don't need a first round safety. We have Monte Nicholson. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, I think Monte Nicholson was upgradable. That said, we didn't upgrade him, so now we've got him. Let's, let's back him in and really support him and hope that he does really well. I think what Monte Nicholson's strength is is his, um, you know, his ability to control sideline to sideline with his physical traits. What we need to see from him is that mental side of the game. Does he make the right decisions? Does he take the right angles? Um, does he, you know, identify plays correctly and quickly? Um, I mean, given the small sample size we've seen with Monte Nicholson, he's been okay at that so far. We'll see if that continues. Last question here before I have to let you go. It's early. We haven't seen a lot of the injuries, and training camp isn't even. Uh, sorry, the preseason isn't even over. But what do you think the, the Redskins' record is going to be? I mean, tr- traditionally, I don't. Um, I don't do predictions in terms of the win-loss record because it's so much of it is out of your team's control. It comes down to what your opponents are doing. Um, what's happening in terms of not only your health and your injuries, but your opponent's injuries. That said, I mean, what I can do is I'll give you a range. I don't think these Redskins, when healthy, are less than a 6-10 and 10 team. I don't think they're more than a 10-6 team. That's going to be their window. Things are gonna, If things go well for them, they could be a 10-6 team. If things don't go well for them, they could be a 6-10 and 10 team. Um, they're, they're too good to be a team that completely bottoms out. They're not quite good enough to be a team that completely dominates the year. So that's where they're at. They're in that sort of average to above average window all right thank you so much chad it's been a pleasure to have you on and i hope to have you on another time as we continue to look at these redskins and see what they do yeah thanks for having me man really enjoyed it thank you for listening to down to the wire down to the wire is presented by the t-shop podcast network go to the t-shop 2020.wordpress.com for great articles about sports music movies and pop culture don't forget to rate review and subscribe on stitcher spotify Castbox, or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Vroom Shankar signing off. Until next time.